Hopefully, I've never been his character <laughs> to anybody in the room. Oh, no, of course not. <clears throat> it was kind of weird when you showed up at my house at like three in the morning last night. <laughs> I was going to say, you're like, I had this one friend. I won't say his name, but it sounds like Smithifer. Yeah, he just showed up. Um, he came here for a business trip, and then two days later, he was back. And he was just like, I'm here now. This is where I live. He's in almost every movie theater I go to, too. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 370 with our review of The Gift. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This time around, we are talking about The Gift, which uh, is apparently doing a lot better than we would have ever expected from the trailers to this movie. But uh, how are you doing this fine uh, Sunday morning, Stephen? Yeah, no, I'm doing good. My my neighbor just came by to welcome me to the building, uh, gave me some koi fish. It was really nice, <laughs> really sweet. The koi fish were extra weird because you don't have a koi wand. Yeah, I mean, it, it was kind of weird. He just handed me like like a bag of koi fish. Uh, but, you know, it's a sweet gesture. I mean, I you know, terrible things happened to him in high school and I was a terrible person then. But, you know, other than that, it, it was all nice. It was good were a terrible person that don't it's like hardly a joke but (laughs) 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 i can't i can't make the helicopter noise Uh, your your helicopter noise sounds like any like scary creature in any like grudge copy movie (laughs) (laughs) okay let me try again i I need to get the surround sound feeling (laughs) (laughs) still sounds like rats i don't know (laughs) anyways uh yeah, I mean, I mean, you. I, I'm assuming that you were as surprised as me that this movie was apparently getting rave reviews out there on the internets. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you and I saw this trailer a few times together. I think since we've moved up to San Francisco, and yeah, pretty much every time I've had at least one snarky comment, especially when they made this latest trailer where there's like a one minute introduction narrating that like. You know, when people are treated badly in high school, they do violent things later on. Oh, dude, that was, <laughs> like, the, that was the worst trailer. Because wasn't it like, this person, when they were young, did this. When he was older, he murdered his teacher. And like yeah. stuff like that, right? Like, Yeah, like the only way that trailer could end appropriately is if it turns out it was a comedy. Like Zach Galifianakis shows up. <laughs> <laughs> because otherwise, it's so self-serious and like on the nose. It it really felt like a last-ditch effort. Like, they had been screening it, and people weren't getting the point. And so they tried to make the point, like, as obvious as possible in the trailer. Yeah, like, just, you when, know, he probably did something bad when he was younger to this kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, when, whenever you see something like that where it feels like the trailer just doesn't have any faith in the audience, you really expect the movie to be a shit show afterwards. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's the same thing. Uh, one of the other tra- trailers that played was um, the new M. Night Shyamalan movie. Um, mm-hmm. The the Stay or the... the <laughs> it's like this a similar title, but it's basically The, the Visit, right? No. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the, the kids, they go to their grandparents' house. And like yeah, the way yeah, that yeah. trailer starts off, it just felt so hokey. And I think I turned to you and I was like, this has got to be a horror movie, right? And then all of a sudden it was mm-hmm. like, oh, something's wrong with Grandma! Um, yeah, which by <laughs> by the way, I have no idea that movie is probably going to suck. That trailer freaked me out. I felt super <laughs> uncomfortable after watching that trailer because I I came I I think I I think I was still alone. Like my girlfriend wasn't back yet, and I came home to a big empty house, and I was afraid of like grandma sitting in a rocking chair downstairs. <laughs> like that freaked me out. <laughs> I I mean I. It was the second time that I saw that trailer, which was yesterday, or the third time, which was yesterday when I went to see yeah, this movie, The Gift. Um, it actually had M. Night Shyamalan in front of it. So him going like, hi, guys, I made these great movies. And he lists only the ones that people don't hate. And then he goes... Oh, really? Uh, he did the John Green thing <laughs> before? Hey, uh, <laughs> director here, uh, I just wanted to thank everybody who believed in me. I'm making another movie. Uh 
Well, Remember was... those things I did in the late nineties? Yeah, it's gonna be like that. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's it was it was one of those regal first looks. Um, and he was basically just like, watch, you know, come see my movie this probably Halloween. I didn't look at what the date was, and then it plays that same trailer again, and I was like, oh, if that trailer wasn't already undercut for me, it was especially undercut by his introduction to it. But uh... In- interesting too, both of these movies are led by like comic actors in the roles. Doesn't doesn't that seem weird? Like Jason Bateman, and then that movie, it's the the woman from like Parks and Rec and a few other things. I don't, like they really felt like they were supposed to be funny, and then there's nothing funny about them. Huh. Well, I will say. I mean, we, we we can get into this more in the review, but I will say, as much as Jason Bateman is a comedy guy, and as much as he's funny, and I and I really like seeing him in different roles. The role he's playing in this is not too far remo- removed from all his other roles. The only reason you sympathize with him in the other roles is because, like, he's the one that all the ba- like he he's the like the the supposedly nice guy who everything's happening to. But the line, mm-hmm. the dialogue that he uses in this film could be his exact dialogue from any of those other movies, and it really makes you go back to all of those and rethink <laughs> who he is well, in those yeah, movies. That, that's true because he is normally the comic foil, and like, there's a thin line between straight man and asshole. <laughs> and yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. I think this movie crosses that. <laughs> maybe spoilers <laughs> i i would yeah i would say that it's i mean the, the the trailers are are clearly getting into something happened between jason bateman and uh joe edgerton like joe edgerton yeah that's joel, his name right? right yeah yeah uh uh but uh so i mean there's definitely something in their past that they they both experienced together whether it was like one to the other or they both experienced the same thing or whatever. We don't know what that event is, but I think it's pretty clear that something in their past coincided with each other. Mm-hmm. If that's too spoilery, then sorry. <laughs> I honestly, given the trailer, I don't think there exists a spoiler for this movie. The trailer kind of put all the cards on the table up front of like these they they may trick you in the way it's presented. I guess we'll get into that in the actual review. But they definitely didn't leave much to the imagination <laughs> in terms of where is this movie going to turn and how are the characters going to wind up. But, I mean, there is at least one major reveal in the film that mm-hmm. is not in the trailer. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, anyways, <laughs> should we get to it? Uh, yeah. All right, we are going to uh, take a listen to the trailer for the gift and come back and give you guys a review this is a mid-century modern home this view is fantastic the lighting is great you like it yeah do you this is good (laughs) i'm very happy excuse me is your name simon yes it is you we went to school together this is my wife robin this is i didn't get gordon mosley uh, Gordo. Gordo? Oh, my God. I'm so sorry to recognize you. It's been a very, very long time. Welcome home, smiley face Gordo. How do you think he got our address? That's an expensive bottle of wine. We should thank him. I believe that the bad things in life, they can be a gift. That guy's odd. He's a little socially awkward, but I can be like that. Gordo, hi. Hi. After high school, and some people stay exactly the same. Thank you. He's delusional, thinks that we're friends. Thanks for a lovely dinner. Fish food. You don't find that a little troubling? I said that I wanted fish. And all the visits when you're alone. They used to call him Gordo the Weirdo. I think he's nice, and he's been very generous. What you're talking about is a one-sided friendship. You're essentially being forced into a breakup. There's no easy way to say this. Don't visit us anymore. It's not over. Simon, after all these years, I was willing to let bygones be bygones. What does that mean? I do not know. But it must mean something. Hello? Bygones be bygones after all these years. What the hell was that? <laughs> that was big. That's Gordo! What does bygones be bygones mean? It's over! Simon has a full file on him. You think he's been lying to you? Just tell me what happened. It's 25 years ago. I have no idea who you really are. Simon says... New house. Simon says... Beautiful wife. 
Simon says. You think you're done with the past, but the past is not done with you. Okay, so that was the trailer for The Gift. Basically, uh, we have, you know, a guy and his wife are moving into a new home in their old town that they used to live in. And, uh, you know, the guy's getting ready for a new job. And at the store, he encounters an old friend uh, from way back in the day. Um, you know, the guy's a little bit of a weirdo, we'll say. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they, he's invited back to the house. Or actually kind of just shows up at the house, gets invited to dinner. And uh, things start to accelerate creepily. Lots of gifts. Uh, the family's just uncomfortable, and uh, Jason Bateman, you know, the, the main guy here, has to sort of deal with what is up with this guy, whether or not he's stable, and what's going on. So, Stephen, did this film turn out as good for you as sort of the buzz you've been hearing around the internet, or did it end up, you know, hitting the mark exactly where you had set it? I, w- I would say somewhere in between but much closer to the internet buzz than the mark that i said it the mark that i said it was like shit 10 feet underground like it was a really <laughs> low mark <laughs> um, and th- this movie so what this movie was excellent at i thought was building tension without resorting to standard horror or thriller tropes like this did a really good job of showing you very little but making you be terrified much of the time um like there are at least three moments where there's a huge jump scene in the movie is, is that the word for it like where, yeah, where they basically force the audience yeah that happened at least three times and each time it went the same way it was like prolonged tension for about one or two minutes a jolt and then laughter in the audience <laughs> this like uh everyone laughing in that kind of old school relief of like whoo that was thrilling um it, it kind of reminded me of how The Sixth Sense felt when I watched it when I was younger, where, yeah. like, so much of that movie was not about showing you terrible things, but scaring you and then making you laugh when you realize that, like, what you were frightened of is not actually a real thing. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. There, are, there are real scary things, too, but the, the power of this movie is how little it goes overboard, I think. Um, and I think that's what I really did enjoy about it, is it, it kept things much more psychological than insane guy attacking your family which is how this movie easily could have gone given the trailer yeah yeah, Um, for sure yeah so so definitely the tension building is what i liked that made it be it's a nice kind of quick movie i think it was under two hours and pretty much the whole time i was either uh heart thumping preparing for a terrifying thing to happen or having that moment of relief right after a reveal uh, so it, it was a lot of fun to watch. As far as an actual story, I thought the morality tale was like a little too thinly veiled. And this is probably just any thriller or horror movie has this issue. <laughs> um, like Jason Bateman is a total caricature of a person. Like <laughs> every every decision he makes in this movie is based on the archetype of i don't think it's a spoiler after that trailer gave away everything the archetype of the ex-bully or the archetype of the guy who was successful and didn't care about other people um yeah it could have gone the route of this happened in high school and now we're showing you the warnings of mistreating people when you're younger but instead it went this route of he is this archetype this like very one-dimensional character who makes unbelievably stupid decisions in moments where they shouldn't be made um like scrawling weirdo on the fridge uh making making jokes very close to this person there's an encounter towards the end in particular that just killed me like like this big kind of confrontation scene and it was clear nobody on earth would behave the way that he was behaving um, <laughs> like it it just was insane and so I think what the movie was trying to do successfully is make him not be a sympathetic character. Yeah. But what it probably didn't mean to do is make him be an unhuman character. <laughs> and that was kind of, it crossed a threshold for me there. Like it it was a, he gets progressively more absurd as the movie goes on. Um, another thing that I had really liked about the movie for most of it, that kind of fell apart at the end was that, at least some of the characters in this were like quite empathetic. 
like there was basically a clear asshole and a clear victim and the finale goes into this kind of uh it's hard without giving away spoilers the the stakes that happen in the final scene like the final um showdown are kind of terrible for both people <laughs> like yeah. it, it's treating someone as a pawn or a prize in a way that didn't feel true to either character to me uh which it was kind of a weird note to end the film on but anyway it's hard to talk about that without spoilers other yeah, than I, I think we should have like a little spoiler section at the end because there are there are a few things that i want to say about about that yeah yeah definitely so curbing that till spoilers i thought this was a very well done psychological thriller I was totally vibing on it up until maybe 20 minutes before it ended. And like by then I thought the message got a little diluted, but I was still glad I came. Like it was, it was the quote scariest, a movie I think I will enjoy. (laughs) Like the moment anything turns (laughs) into more horrifying than this, then I no longer am having a good time. And this walked that, walked that balance just right for me. Gotcha. Well, yeah, so, I try, trying to follow back up on some things that you said. So I, I I was actually kind of happy with the way they treated Jason Bateman's character because so it wasn't so in in a normal standpoint of like we were in high school we did something stupid and now I'm being punished for it. If you've grown up and you've gotten past it and you're a better person, there is some sort of equivalent now because like in, in high school, the worst you can do is is sort of capped off, right? Like as a child with no like freedom in the world and no real uh, responsibility or ramifications for things you've done in your life, there is sort of the highest level of bad that can happen to a person besides death, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's sort of set lower. The bar is lower. But if, you know, 20, 30, 40 years later, somebody who is an adult with actual means of doing things, like, like if you're... If you just get picked on in high school because of something bad that happened to you, when you grow up, you're going to get past that, right? But as an yeah. adult, if you if something goes wrong, there are like ramifications for that that you cannot get past at that point in time, right? So there is a world in which being punished uh, non-equivalently for something that happened when you were a kid, uh, you, you kind of have sympathy for the villain in, in that case, right? Or the quote-unquote villain. Like if there's a crazy person... T- seeking revenge on a person who made one mistake when they were younger, then there's a problem. In this story, Jason Bateman, like it, it's kind of clear that he's sort of never gotten past this being an asshole phase in his life. So I kind of like that they spend a lot of the movie continually seeding the idea that he hasn't changed, that he hasn't gotten better. And they kind mm-hmm. of, you, you called it, they, they made him a monster, but they sort of just like made sure that you know that... Anything that's coming to him, he probably deserves <laughs> because he's an asshole, like, in real life, not just he was when he was a kid and now he's learned to be a normal human being. Like, there is something that progresses through his life that kept him in that way. So, I, so, so I think I, I totally agree with that. I just feel like, like the trailer, putting all the cards on the table, it felt like the extent to which they had to make sure we knew that he was a dick who was getting what was coming to him was over the top. Um, like, like I could have done with one of these subplots that proves that he's an asshole without, without needing like three or four examples. Yeah. And, and I, I guess what I liked about it is once again, that we're, we're, we're approaching spoiler territory here. Um, but I think that that what's great about the way they do it is that, these those events don't just they don't just lead to you going oh yeah that's right he's an asshole they lead to other thing other events happening or like Mm -hmm. they lead you to follow a trail one direction when it could be pointing a different direction you know what i mean right so i think that it, it does a good job of keeping the story interesting by like leafing in these other events of the consequences of his assholeness in a way that lets you not know what is happening at any one time that could lead to bad events, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, Jason Bateman is clearly scared of Joel Edgerton's character. 
and he's worried that he's doing something crazy. But in a normal, in, in any given time, there's a million crazy things that could happen to a person. But because of who Jason Bateman is and because he's just focusing on, oh, yeah, crazy guys after me, everything is being attributed to that guy when it could mm -hmm. be anything, right? Yeah. Like, like if, if, I, if I think that a neighbor hates me and then one day I find something on my doorstep, it could be anybody, but I'm just going to assume it's the one neighbor, right? That's just like a, a thing. Like you can't see further than your own field of view. So right. by leafing in all these events of him either messing with other people or treating somebody poorly, then it opens him up to more things that he can then turn towards the Gordo character and sort of be oblivious to the fact that, like, any number of people he could be pissing off. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I definitely buy that. Um, even if I thought from an exposition standpoint we didn't need them, it does further the story. Like, they, may, they tie everything together. Yeah. So, so what I'm wondering is... How did your audience react? Like, was my audience weird for the amount of times they laughed at this movie? <laughs> uh, no, I, I think that there are plenty of moments that are that are kind of funny. Um, so, so I'm I'm remembering them laughing a lot, and then trying to think of what they're laughing at, and I can't. So, so maybe I know one one involved a dog, and another was a scene in the trailer. Pretty, pretty much, at, at least with my audience, almost everything that was supposed to be scary in the trailer was instead, like, momentarily frightening and then, like, huge laughter from the audience. Well, I think the laughing comes when the entire audience as a whole reacts in a freaked out way to something that shouldn't be freaky. And then they mm -hmm. really, it, it's like an embarrassed laugh. Like, like, <laughs> you got me, you asshole. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it's that, it's, it's the equivalent of a good, it's, it's a, it's, it's a well-placed jump scare where the entire audience reacts as one. And like the only person who didn't react is the person who knew it was coming and closed their eyes and plugged their ears and then didn't jump because the jump was gone for them. And, um, and the dog in the audience, he was like, I don't understand. What are you guys afraid of? <laughs> I don't know why that's funny to me. <laughs> Anyways. Um, but, I, but I think there is, there are some comedic beats. And I think that it's one of those things where like, there's enough uncomfortable things that are, sort of funny in that way that you joke to a close friend that you never expect anybody to overhear it but then like we're overhearing it you know like mm -hmm. we're so it's like the person like there's, there's a scene where jason bateman is making fun of gordo and gordo is out of the room for a minute and like it's it that scene like progresses way too long like oh it yeah. wasn't like <laughs> oh i'm just gonna make fun of gordo while he's gone it's like a prolonged thing and then you're it's sort of not funny because he's just an asshole, but then it's becoming funny. But then also you're on edge because he could come back at any time. And you just know that he's going to be around the corner or he's going to like walk in and see it. Like you're just like, okay, stop joking now. Stop joking now. But it's kind of funny, but it's not really funny. It's insensitive, but it's kind of funny, but I'm scared a little bit. Like mm -hmm. there's, there's enough little things like that where situations are presenting humor in a way, but not really... Like it's it's not a joke that is being made tastefully. It's the funny is the uncomfortableness of it. Yeah, and I think that that scene in particular brings up one of the strengths of Joel Edgerton's character in the movie, which is at least for much of the film, it might be a spoiler to say how much of it. <laughs> um, he he maintains this character where he could either terrify you or be completely sympathetic. Which means at the same time, you can think Jason Bateman is an asshole and feel bad and also be terrified of what happens if he comes back <laughs> and, and well, notices. I think that's also the thing where he's sympathetic in that scary way, where he's sympathetic, but you feel like at any moment now he could just go off. It's, mm -hmm. it's that, like, I don't want to be mean to this person because i think they're totally on the edge of like going postal or something yeah <laughs> and, and it's not that he's inherently frightening it's that he seems a bit unstable and he you know he's he's the kind of like the like of mice and men hug the mouse till it dies type yeah. of person you know what i mean so it's like you don't think he's going to purposely harm anyone but you could definitely see a situation in which he would definitely harm somebody yes 
Yeah, and I think that those parts, especially toward the beginning of the movie when they're only getting to know him, I think those were the best parts of the movie because they really preyed on that fear of this is the guy who you kind of want, you feel bad shunning him, you want to be his friend, but you don't want to be a liar. Like you don't want to be just phoning in a friendship, but you're also afraid of any outcome where you distance yourself. Like, yeah. Like that is a thing I think everyone has experienced in some capacity before in a asymmetric kind of relationship. And this definitely like brought the terror of that out <laughs> in a very, very uncomfortable way. I was super uncomfortable watching his interactions, especially with um, with Rebecca Hall's character, Robin, where yeah. you can see her trying to be a nice person, but that doesn't mean she's not scared of him. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there's, there's all those situations where he's showing up while Jason Bateman is at, is at work. And first of all, if you do that enough times, you start to, I mean, any normal human would assume that somebody's going to be gone during, like, around the nine to five range of time if they have a normal job. Um, so it's not like he could test it, but like Raptor style, if he keeps showing up at the house and he's like, oh, he's gone. Okay, cool. He can just like mark on a calendar. Okay, gone now. You know what I mean? Like, there's mm -hmm. a pattern you can develop if you're not assuming he has a normal job time, which he does. But uh, yeah, there's definitely that sense of like, she's home alone. She is answering the door. He's there. It's like the house is pretty much all windows. So she can't just pretend like she's not home. And she's, she's already opened the door and she can't really like offend him and just shut the door on him because then he's there and she's alone. And she, so she can let him in. But then she's there and alone and he's inside the house, but at least there's no confrontation happening. So it's it's definitely a scary situation. Uh, you and I constantly joke about how we're totally amity. And like we would like the scene where Jason Bateman is like, I think I just have to have a talk with Gordo and tell him he's not allowed. Like I would I would never get to the point where I could just have like, look, I you're scary and I don't want you to come around anymore. <laughs> like yeah, and, and Simon, by the way, is total dauntless. <laughs> he, he pulls some serious <laughs> dauntless moves. Pretty much. But but yeah, I, I think, yeah, it is a tough situation. I think it's, it's, it's realistic and not enough that it's not just like a weird scenario where like you're watching a horror movie where for absolutely no, like there's, I forget what, what, there's that there's that horror movie that's called like the others or the I don't remember what it's called but it's got the people others in masks. is definitely a horror movie yeah but I'm but I might be confusing it with a different one the strangers strangers it's something like that but anyways these people like show up to this house that they've like rented and these people just come to the house and start trying to kill them and like there's a scene and it's in the trailer so it's not a huge spoiler where like the woman is like crying she's like tied up she's like all bloody and stuff and she's like why are you doing this and like the people in the mass just go because you were home <laughs> like yeah that's the most frightening thing in the world to me is like they're like you are just being attacked by somebody just because no reason at all so in this movie i, I forget I, I like have diverted so much from my original point that i forget how i was going to connect it but basically this isn't that this is more of a like how do I like tactfully deal with this person who technically is not a threat to me at all? I'm just, I just am in the weird feeling state where I like subconsciously think they're a threat, even though they may not be a threat at all to me. Um, right. And I think, I, I think that is a kind of through line of a lot of scary movies is like, I've, I've been trying to tally up how many scary movies take place with, a woman alone in a big house <laughs> and it's a lot of them like the babadook the others uh this one and i think what all of those are preying on is this fact that like even if nothing bad is happening there is a sort of vulnerability <laughs> in letting another person near you L like like it's kind of preying on that fear that everyone could be dangerous if you are unguarded and you have no one there to protect you. <laughs> and I don't know, it's a really, it, it's a really interesting fear. And it definitely shows up in this movie. Like you have not seen anything to suggest that he's capable of physical violence, like nothing when they've met this character yeah. leads them to believe that except for his military past. But I don't think, <laughs> I don't think that's necessarily 
supposed to frighten you. Um, and, and, and also, based on who he is, we don't have any evidence that he was ever... Oh, no, we, we do at one point have truthful evidence that he was in the military, right? Yeah, I think yeah. so. But, but, but even like at the first point where he says, oh, a lot of military, like you have no reason to believe that that's actually true <laughs> like until later on when you find out that it is true. But like, you know what I mean? So, it, yeah, so basically it's a, <laughs> it reminds me of this terrible slash hilarious Louis C.K. bit where he talks about how there exist whole like large numbers of people who <laughs> will never find love will never be touched by anyone like, like grotesque people <laughs> who just have to live life completely alone and we feel bad for them but none of us are going to do anything about it like we're not going to go and be <laughs> friends with the person and he kind of like the giant in uh he's probably not a giant of, of mice and men i think of him as a giant um the guy in of mice and men yeah it's that thing where it's this guy that they're acknowledging he might be good intentioned and he might only want the best and yet he will never not be scary. <laughs> and yeah, that's like yeah. a super tragic thing to think about. No, it, it is for sure. And, and and I think like I, hopefully I've never been his character <laughs> to anybody in the room. Oh, world. no, of course not. <clears throat> <laughs> it was kind of weird when you showed up at my house at like three in the morning last <laughs> night. I was going to say, you're like, I have this one friend. I won't say his name, but it sounds like Smithifer. And uh, <laughs> he just like moved <laughs> like into my city. Yeah, showed up at my work one day. Yeah, he just showed up. Um, he came here for a business trip, and then two days later, he was back, and he was just like, "I'm here now. This is where I live." Uh, anyway, creepy. Um, He's in almost every movie theater I go to, too. <laughs> yeah. And my, anyway, my point I, though is that I, that I hope I've never been that person, but like, I would never know. That's the thing. Like. I l- luckily I'm a very I'm very amity. I I don't think anybody <laughs> like I generally don't try to plan things with other people unless I know that we're both going to be doing something anyways. Um like I don't try to insert myself in people's situations. So I guess I'm technically immune from being that person, but still like the frightening thing to think is that you could be imposing in that way to somebody and and not know. And yes, I, th- I think that is the most terrifying thing this movie makes me think about. Is like, yeah. what if I have been this person? And, and it's also kind of scary to think that, like, I don't know. Like, so so he seems to have made it through, you know, his past. Like, obviously, he isn't he doesn't have everything he wants. He's he's you know doing things, whatever he's doing. We don't even actually honestly know that much about what his current life situation is. But uh, he seems to have theoretically been acclimated to real life, (laughs) right? Um, But meeting Jason Bateman sort of like brings up this past for him. And like it's, it's weird that like to think back to things that you think could have been significant in your past and the other people who experienced all the same stuff and how that level of significance made it be completely irrelevant to everybody else involved in that situation. Like mm-hmm. you, you might think back to like, oh, that one day at like the school when whatever happened and like you're like, wasn't that crazy? And everybody's like, no, I don't really remember that. Why? What happened? <laughs> like, Yeah, I, I think what it reminded me of, which is sad and what I can definitely relate to is like, have you ever been in a relationship where it ended and you felt very wronged or like something huge had happened and you really want to debrief over it and discuss and it becomes this like gnawing thing that like you need to get that apology or you need to get that closure and at a certain point on like drafting your 80th email that you don't send you realize that you are actually the creep who needs to get over it (laughs) was that too personal no, I will. I. I mean, I. I definitely feel you. <laughs> yeah, so like there's a certain moment. There's a certain moment when it dawns on you that other people do not see the world the way you do, and in some other view of the world, you are a creep who won't leave someone alone. Yeah, <laughs> I but, think but that is Gordo's whole life. But there's also the sense that, like, at some point, like, and, and now I'm, like, bleeding these, like, relationship analogies into story that, like, may not be relevant to it. But, like, there's a sense that, like, if, when you're the only one who cares, you care too much. Like, even if you care a healthy bit and you are right, 
if the other person has chosen not to care, then you will always seem that creepy person, even if mm-hmm. you're completely justified. Like, if, I don't know, I'm, I'm just going to make something up. This definitely did not happen. But, like, if, like, a girl wrecks your car and then dumps you <laughs> and then, mm-hmm. like, is gone, like, you are justified in being like, look, you, like, literally wrecked my car and then broke up with me. Like, we need to talk about this. And she doesn't want to talk to you. Like, you are going to seem like that crazy person, <laughs> even though you're 100% justified. You're like, you're owed something, some sort of damages there in some in, way. In your, right? mind, in your mind, you might even be the good person because you're the one trying to make it right, trying to yeah. settle the score and not hold a grudge. <laughs> but when the other person doesn't even care or remember anymore, it's like a lose-lose situation. Yeah, 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 exactly. And in, in, in a perfect world, that could be... Like, the the gifts that Gordo keeps providing could be his way of trying to prove that he doesn't care anymore, um, as opposed to, like, him actually doing anything creepy. And we honestly don't know. Like, so, I, I, I think that's a very successful aspect of the film. Yes. Uh, so, do you think we should jump into spoilers, or do you have more general stuff to add? Uh, I, I, I think I'm good. Should we give it verdicts before we do spoilers? Uh, yes. All right, cool. So let's let's do that then, and then we can talk a little bit about spoilers. So, Stephen, if you're going to give this a must-see, reckon with the caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? Uh, I'm giving this a strong recommend with a caveat. I definitely think it is much better than its premise had any right to be, and certainly than the trailers made it out to be. Uh, I, the caveat is only that I think the characterizations are a little weak, and... It has interesting ideas it wants to explore, but I don't think it painted them with a a subtle brush at all. Uh, it's a great way to be thrilled and a little terrified for a couple hours. Uh, just not not a 90% great way, if you know what I mean. <laughs> rotten, to, <laughs> rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to give it a strong recommend with the caveat also. Uh, like The only caveat is that it's, it's not like... This will probably be absent from my mind in a week or so, uh, minus jokes related to certain aspects towards the end of the film. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, it's this is the perfect movie to go out and see, get dragged to with a group of friends, and then be pleasantly surprised about. It's the type of film mm-hmm. that if you have somebody who like sees every single like horror slash suspense movie that comes out, who's like, oh no, yeah, let's go see The Gift, yeah. And then you're like, ah, oh, damn it, sure, let's go see it. Like, I think... It's a film that when it's over, you're going to go like, you know, I don't know why I was so scared about seeing that because I actually had a quote unquote good time with it. Um, But then it's not going to go down. Like, it's not like, you know, a month from now when somebody's like, oh, I kind of want to watch that scary movie, you know, what's out that's good um, on rental or whatever. Like, you know, I'm going to go to things like The Babadook uh, or It Follows follows. first. Yeah. Yeah. and I'm not going to suggest this one at all. But if somebody is like, I was thinking about watching uh, The Gift tonight. Uh, did you see that? Should I avoid it? The trailer looked pretty bad. I'll say like, oh, like if you if you just thought it looked bad because the trailer, like it's it's worth a watch because it like it turned out to be much better than it, I expected it to be. Um, and I, you know, I'd preface it. It's very much prefaced recommend. But um I think this makes me want to go back to the old days where I refused to read a review of a movie before I saw it, except I never would have seen this movie if I hadn't read reviews of it. (laughs) So it's like, it's unfair. It gets overhyped, but without the hype, I never would have checked it out. And and even if, even if the hype is coming from a, like, nobody's going to watch this movie, I need to talk about how good it is. Like, I'm kind of in a way fine with that because it, it's, it's a fine, a finely made movie. So, so Mm -hmm. it's. It's one of those things where, like, its quality stacked amongst other similarly themed films maybe isn't that high, but it's it's well it's made well enough that it doesn't deserve to be written off the way that it is getting written off before all mm-hmm. these reviews came out. So it's one of those things that I don't feel bad in it being overhyped. I just am not going to agree with, like, how much it's being overhyped. And the ending is super dumb, but we'll get into that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's do that now then, since you think it's super dumb. Um, so we're going to go into spoiler territory right now and uh, talk about some of, like, probably just the main event of the film, plus some other things. And uh, yeah, so if you haven't seen the film, 
yet, as we both recommended, you should go see it, and then you can come back and listen to the spoiler review part. If you've already uh, seen the film, or you know you're not going to see it, and you're fine listening to the big spoilers at the end, then stick with us. This is spoiler territory. Music's going to fade up, and when it fades down, we will be talking about it. So, everyone else, see you later. People sticking around. We'll see you in just a moment. Okay, so spoiler territory for The Gift. This is our gift to you. Don't be freaked out when you open it. We're going to be talking about the ending of this film. So, um, one, over the course of watching this film, might think to themselves, why do they call it The Gift if there's like 25 gifts in this film? Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out, in what I think is a genius move, (laughs) The Gift... The actual gift the title of this film is referring to is a wee little baby in the form of uh, <laughs> Joel Edgerton uh, sneaking into the house poisoning um, uh, Rebecca Hall, right? That's her name? Yeah. Yeah. Poisoning Rebecca Hall and then impregnating her. <laughs> so, Stephen, explain why that's dumb. Okay. A few reasons it's dumb. Um, so, I can I can do the obvious one, which is... I don't think I, I, I oh, okay. The main reason I find it dumb is that the movie builds up as if, you know, he was upset. He was frustrated. He let it out some way. Maybe he took the dog and gave it back. Maybe he never did. And then when shit is really going down, it is because towards the end, Jason Bateman showed up, still couldn't really apologize and beat the crap out of him instead. And that is like, where the movie seems to take this turning point of, okay, now things are going to go crazy. But in order for this plan to work, no. Like, way back when he first met them and Jason Bateman made fun of him, he decided, I know what I'm going to do today. I'm going to break into their house. I'm going to rape his wife. And I'm going to leave. And then maybe nine months later, there will be a baby and I'll get to brag about it. (laughs) And that... Does that not seem, for one thing, that seems so uncharacteristic to me because she was nice to him. Like, he does not have anything against her unless he only sees her as, like, a thing that Jason Bateman owns and the 0.01% chance that she gets pregnant from this is, like, gonna make it all worth it. (laughs) Like, otherwise, (laughs) any way this ends is just, like... Like, what if Jason had called and made that apology that he was supposed to make? Would he just accept it and then be like, oh, by the way, I, I, oh boy, I wish you'd called me two days ago. Um, I may, I may have dressed up in a monkey suit and gone and raped your wife. That needs to be how it should have ended episode. (laughs) Like that, that just changes the whole dynamic of, he goes from seeming like a victim to being this horrible person who brought in a completely like third party who wanted nothing but the best for him and did terrible things to her like that well, is, that is such a weird move to me for the movie to reveal at the end so so here's here's why it works and here's how they could have made it work better um so first of all we we know that they've been trying to make a family so i'm just going to preface it with this and where they messed up so we know that they've they've been been trying to make a family. We know that they at one point had a child which they lost. Um, and so so the the problem is that they needed a way to explain to Gordo that they've been trying to have a child and that they lost it. Um, but I think what would have been better is if they couldn't have a child and we found some way to believe that it was because of Jason Bateman, not because she miscarried, but that because Mm -hmm. he was sterile or had a low sperm count or something like that. Um, Because that would, like, all you have to do is seed that, no pun intended, (laughs) and then we understand why him, like, raping her once could have led to a pregnancy when they've been trying for a while and it just hasn't happened yet, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I think that, that would be a loose enough thing to allow that to be less unbelievable right because then it wouldn't be that she had some sort of problem that led to 
you know, losing the baby, but it would have been the reason they couldn't have a baby in the first place is because of Jason Bateman. Um, Cause then I, I just think that would have made things work mo- more cohesively. But I think what it comes down to is obviously like two, two main primary scenes in the film is the, the initiation or the, the, the backstory to the Simon says thing um, when he was class president and the, um, him recording them, making fun of him in the house, which you find later is tape number two. So mm-hmm. first of all, Simon has grown up his whole life getting everything he wants. You know, I want this. Simon says, get this. I get that. Right. So if you notice all of the gifts that come from Gordo are things that they could get on their own, but he, like he knows they need it and they're going to get it anyways. So he's providing that, right. They have a mm-hmm. pond. They, they constantly mention that like, Oh yeah, we got to get some fish for this. So boom, he goes off and gets some koi for their pond. Um, then like, you know, like obviously something as simple as a bottle of wine, they could definitely have themselves, but whatever that we'll just leave that as like an outlier. That's like the first gift that they get. Right. Um, so it, it's, this, there's this progression of like Simon can have anything he wants. He just has to like decide he's going to get it and then he'll get it. So the real like devious thing here is that like Simon wants a child with his perfect wife and by taking, like if Simon gets that, he'll have that, right? Like he'll, he'll just get it on his own. But if Joel Edgerton's care, if Gordo can like usurp that by like providing the baby himself then like telling him like he will mm-hmm. have to like that you can't undo that you know what i mean like so it's it's kind of like the perfect situation so i mean like like he says in the actual uh video or the the audio tape or whatever that he made like jason bateman has created the the story that like gordo's in love with his wife and wants his like to like raise a family with the wife right so mm-hmm. he is in the the biggest fu he can possibly create, he is going to take a story which possibly wasn't true in the first place, make it true by impregnating the wife, and then, like, there you go. Like now she has my child. Like you were afraid that was going to happen. Not only did I bring your worst fear to case, but now like the thing that you wanted to have, I'm the one that brought that into the world, and you'll never know for sure that it was me or not. But you'll grow up for the rest of your life thinking that I'm possibly the father. I mean. Jason Bateman character would have DNA taste tested the baby. Like that's, mm-hmm. it's easy to assume. Like if he's doing background checks on other people, then obviously he would, he would DNA test the child and just not tell his wife about it. Um, but I, like, I, I don't, I think it worked uh, much. In, I mean, I always do like the worst film comparisons in the world, but like some people complain that the end of mission impossible five, uh, <laughs> <laughs> That it, it the, didn't. The baby takes off a mask <laughs> and it's Joel Edgerton <laughs> with an earring. No, no, but like some people complain that like the last set piece of Mission Impossible um, uh, Rogue Nation doesn't stand up to the action scenes in the rest of the film. Like they're bigger and grander, and the end one is a very subdued thing. But like story wise, the ending is perfect. Like there's no other way I would want the ending of the, the Mission Impossible film to happen because even though it's lower stakes and not a grand event. It still story-wise pays off the rest of the film perfectly. And I think that, I think that where Jason Bateman and Joel Edgerton's characters are at the end of this film and how like Gordo doesn't have to do anything anymore at all. Like he was like, he's won and there's no way to unwin that scenario. Like he's, done everything he can do he has brought jason like literally brought jason's <laughs> i almost said statham jason bateman <laughs> to his knees at the end of the film and like he can just walk away and he has paid him back for everything that he did when they were younger like like he's like for in his case it's an eye for an eye he's done he can walk away and never think of it again because he won like so mm-hmm. it, it's i don't know i i I think that the ending is the one like little golf clap thing that raises this above just a completely pointless movie. <laughs> like, and obviously Rebecca Hall deserves nothing that comes to her at the end of this film. But <sighs> I mean, like, obviously she's collateral damage in this, and she luckily doesn't know what has come to her. Um, that doesn't make it right in any way. I don't. I don't want mm-hmm. to uh, be quoted in saying that like, oh, she's fine because she doesn't know what happened. I just, 
like it's it's very disturbing the end of this film is disturbing as hell um, right but from a story standpoint like it's kind of insane <laughs> you know what i mean yeah it it is definitely an insane twist it's definitely the one that nobody saw coming i think the reason it feels weird to me is like i said up until that point i would have actually been capable of thinking of gordo as a good guy like barring the fact that i don't know what happened to the fish <laughs> like that's a little creepy but otherwise in the movie he has not done anything except for send nice gifts send another gift that is you know like he sends an apology letter he behaves a little creepily and he seems angry but nothing comes from it and then jason bateman beats him up at the end um so 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 here's here's the real sorry i don't mean to interrupt your point but like do you think he actually did it do you think there's a world in which because the video he doesn't actually show video of him raping rebecca hall so (laughs) is it possible that he literally just set the scenario up in which it appeared like he did and then left him to believe that he did so so you're saying he knew that in nine months she would have a baby (laughs) well so at the point he sends the the like that that gift which shows that it happened Mm -hmm. doesn't like he knew they were trying to have a kid right like Mm -hmm. because in like his first tour through the house like uh, I, I believe Rebecca Hall reference because he's looking at the child stuff. He references, "Oh, we don't have a baby yet, but you know we're trying." And blah blah blah. blah. Um, so he knew that eventually she would have a baby. Like, there's no way to know. Like, like, I, I, like your whole point was that how improbable is it that like he rapes her one time and then it happens to like succeed and she has a baby from it. Like, mm-hmm. who knows if she got pregnant from that or sometime before that or i mean it's i like to assume since the title's there that that gift is a real gift that came from him mm-hmm. but it still works even if it doesn't come from him so the the title doesn't mean that the director's saying it is that's right. what the, it the is g- because... the gift is the uncertainty of it i guess well i mean um, the gift could still be the baby but it could have been not a genuine like yeah, yeah. so the title doesn't necessarily prove that it is uh, real or not. Like, so, for instance, a film that I reference occasionally on this podcast, uh, shit, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, mm-hmm. right? They're, that The whole point of that is they're trying to prove in a court, they're trying to, uh, basically, in, in a courtroom, people are arguing whether a person was sick or possessed by a demon and because because the the girl dies during an exorcism and like the family is suing the church or something like that so the like one of the like the the priest is arguing that there wasn't a demonic possession and at one point he talks about like maybe she didn't have stigmata like you know blood coming from her hands maybe when she was sleepwalking she grabbed barbed wire fence and that's what left the marks right that's just mm-hmm. like it's it's an argument that he's just like postulating a what if to add reasonable doubt. The opening shot of the movie is uh it it's an establishing shot of like this field and the camera is shooting through barbed wire and there's like a drop of blood that falls from one of the things on on the fence. And that's the opening shot of the movie and out of context you might not remember that. But to me, that's the director saying that she was not possessed. That, like that, that's his way of like weighing in on the subject. Even though the movie is purposely leaving it ambiguous because that makes the story better. To me, mm-hmm. the director chose to show that shot to say that, like, yeah, she wasn't actually possessed. Like, she died because the church performed an exorcism on her, and she was just psychotically ill. Um, so. In that context, the way that film presents it, I believe the director is trying to show something. In this, I don't think that the title is anything more than like a wink and an elbow. Mm -hmm. It's not like proving that he actually birthed that child. And to me, whether or not he did, uh, Jason Bateman thinks that he did. And that 
he, he accomplishes, whether it's real or not, he accomplishes what he needed to do. Even if he didn't do anything, he just made that video and then left the house. It's still an incredibly disturbing uh, reality. And uh, Jason Bateman will never recover from the uncertainty there. So it, it whether whether the gift is literal or figurative, it like it it still works perfectly in my mind. Right. I think so you you honed in a little while ago about Gordo having this provider complex of like being the Simon could get anything he wants. And so Gordo's goal is to beat him to the punch, basically, to yeah. to give anything that it seems like Robin might desire. And there's a sort of delusional, like a delusion of grandeur to that, that I think is uh, Simon, Simon sees Gordo as very delusional and Robin doesn't. And Simon is kind of painted as the asshole for how quickly he dismisses this guy as a nut job when he could just be nice. Um and the, I guess what I don't like is this ending basically proves Simon right. Like, he he proves that Gordo actually was super disturbing and had no sense of boundaries and, and thought that this was a valid response to people being mean to you and leaving your home. Um, and so as far as, like, there is definitely a poetic justice to the way that it ends. Like, it will haunt jason bateman forever forever um <laughs> it just seem it seems like the poetic ending if this were like the 1600s <laughs> like <laughs> like and the wife and child are your property and when you do this to a man you are robbing his honor and there, there, there's just something and i'm not i'm not trying to paint it with a moralistic brush like i understand he's supposed to be creepy and no one thinks it's okay but the film does otherwise play as like his comeuppance. And this makes that comeuppance feel so just messed up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, like for it's sure. the one time that it betrays him as not only the victim, but also like a really shitty person. So it, if, if he didn't in fact do it, and if he knew that uh, she was basically done with him, like like that that Rebecca Hall was kind of done with Jason Bateman at that point in time and he came to the hospital to explain the situation <laughs> i don't even think that she would accept that that would be a little insane but like <laughs> if if it didn't actually happen and somehow he told her would that make it better <laughs> i'm trying to like no i mean so the the ending i imagined is he he not he's the one who told Danny or whatever he figured out that Jason Bateman screwed over Danny McDonald yeah. and he's the one he's the reason the glass was smashed he's the reason that Jason Bateman's life life basically falls apart like that his employers find out what he did that yeah. Robin finally has the last straw that she's done with him and then while Jason Bateman is home watching this video or whatever proving that he saw all the terrible things he did um gordo is basically i didn't believe he could romantically get with the wife at the end like i didn't believe he could win her over but yeah. he would be in her good graces simon would be the bad guy he would be the good guy and he would walk away having won won the battle i just didn't think there was going to be a literal <laughs> rape and conquest involved <laughs> yeah no I, I it's part of the reason why i like it is because it's so disturbing like it, it goes to a place that's literally so dark that like no one walks away from it unscathed like it's it's crossed the line and I, and I think it i think it does it does unfortunately ruin the gordo character and makes him no longer sympathetic um if that actually took place and it's hard to revel in the, the succeeding of that. Of that, um, but I think it's like, narratively speaking, it's so poetic that, like, if his real fear is that, like, Jason Bateman, that Simon is such a horrible person, yet like he gets anything he wants, that the only way to beat him is to be the one who gave him something he wanted. <laughs> like mm -hmm. you, so you're not. 
you can't stop him from achieving all of his goals. All you can do is rob him of the joy of having achieved that goal. There's narratively speaking, not morally speaking, not anything else, narratively speaking, that's it's got some it's got some punch to it that I have to like golf clap it for. And regardless of, of what it actually means for the characters and any moral implications of it. Like so it, it definitely is a hard hitting ending. Yeah. I I wasn't I wasn't super happy about the the way it hit me hard, only because it felt like it was a different tone from the rest of the movie, but it was definitely like it takes effort to disturb me that much. <laughs> and I think we yeah. can all agree we can all agree that at least the twist isn't that Jason Bateman is the one who molested him in the car, which the movie kind of wants <laughs> you to consider for a minute. That would have been just dumb as hell. Yeah, I would not have been a fan of that. Um, but yeah, like going back to it, like I really like that the, like we were talking about earlier about like the the other seeds of him just being a complete asshole. Like I love that it turned out that somebody else was smashing the house. You know, like, you know, the guy, Danny, whatever you said his name was. Um Actually, I kind of thought the big twist was going to be that Gordo was the other person up for the job and mm-hmm. that that he was going to find out at the end of the film that he was just pretending to be this creepy guy to throw him off his game so he would lose this job. Um, <laughs> like that, that that's kind of like that, that's like the pieces I saw going. So like as, as soon as it was like, oh, what's the other person's name? Danny something or other? Oh, OK. Hmm. Like I thought it was totally going to get to a place where he was going to find out that Danny was really Gordo and then, mm-hmm. you know, he had changed his name, whatever. And that like because that would have made sense why he was suddenly targeted out of nowhere. Um, but that's before you kind of start learning about what the actual backstory is. Um, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> so anyways. Are we done with this review? <laughs> I, I think so. I, I do want to say I'm glad the shower scene was a dream. I thought it was awesome that the movie, like, kind of like Mission Impossible giving away the airplane scene only to have it be, like, the opening. Yeah, I kind of yeah. like that, like, they gave away this scene only to have it be, like, a little throwaway dream that she's having, not the, the, an actual man invading the house. At, at that point in time, though, there had already been a dream, hadn't there? Maybe, because I, I probably, I I like that it was, but at the same time, I kind of, or maybe there was a dream moment that happens after that one. For like, there was some point where they established that she's having these weird dreams. So like, it it the second time it happened, it was undercut by the fact that like, oh, this is probably a dream again. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyways, so in conclusion, uh, Chris thinks. If somebody betrayed no, you, no, 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 it's no. perfectly accepted. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just not kidding. Even I funny get joke. <laughs> that's horrible. <clears throat> Anyways, um, so I think that's going to bring us to the end of this review. So, Stephen, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? If people want to find me, I'm not giving my home address because who knows who's going to show up. Uh, but if <laughs> people want to find me, they can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. It's okay. You know, I can just, uh, <laughs> I, I can, I can add the, the address in post at the end. Nice. <laughs> but anyways, so people can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. For some reason, that came out weird. Um, if you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com. You can use the contact form on our site, or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to The Gift. So hopefully you're enjoying that now. And, um, yeah, we have to go off and record a review of the end of the tour. So get ready for that end of the tour. Okay, okay, but first, sorry, (laughs) I just realized a version of the Poetic Justice ending that I would have been on board for. Okay. They are having trouble having kids, so they go for artificial insemination. And it is revealed (laughs) that Gordo was the lab technician there, and he swapped it. And then you get that uncertainty and that look without feeling like he also snuck in and (laughs) raped a girl in a monkey suit. 
<laughs> he could have still been wearing the monkey suit, but he'd be in a lab somewhere. <laughs> but there's also the poetic justice of, like, ever since Jason Bateman was a kid, he had a fear of monkeys. <laughs> so it's like a callback. <laughs> like, now he has a reason to be scared of monkeys. Uh, but I guess it could still work. The video could be him in a lab wearing a monkey suit, having like <laughs> snuck in, finding the thing, and just masturbating into a test tube, <laughs> and putting it in the middle envelope, and putting it back in the freezer. It, it does. It does kind of remind me of that Family Guy bit where a guy says, "Cigarettes killed my father and raped my mother." <laughs> monkeys. M- monkeys. Nah. <laughs> this episode is done. I just had to squeeze in that theory. It's all the prequel to Outbreak. Conception of the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> all right. None of that will probably make it into the episode. God damn it. No, I can put it in at the end. I can leave it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. were, were you were you done with your outro? I don't remember. I think so. Okay, cool. Okay. So I'll stop recording. <laughs>